Chapter twenty seven of Bill Nye's Cordwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Bill Nye's Cordwood by Bill Nye. A would be hostelry bill nye stops at a place where two roads fork his mournful pilgrimage through desolate wilds in company with the soulful hoosier poet a tale of gloom without a ray of hope we are moving about over the country james whitcomb riley and i in the capacity of a moral and spectacular show i attend to the spectacular part of the business that is more in my line i am writing this at an imitation hotel where the roads fork i will call it the fifth avenue hotel because the hotel at a railroad junction is generally called the fifth avenue or the gem city house or the palace hotel i stopped at an inn some years since called the palace and i can truly say that if it had ever been a palace it was very much run down when i visited it just as the fond parent of a white-eyed two-legged freak of nature loves to name his mentally diluted son napoleon and for the same reason that a prominent horse-owner in illinois last year socked my name on a tall buckskin-coloured colt that did not resemble me intellectually or physically a colt that did not know enough to go around a barbed wire fence but sought to sift himself through it into an untimely grave so this man has named his sway-backed wigwam the fifth avenue hotel it is different from the fifth avenue in many ways in the first place there is not so much travel and business in its neighbourhood as i said before this is where two railroads fork in fact that is the leading industry here the growth of the town is naturally slow but it is a healthy growth there is nothing in the nature of dangerous or wildcat speculation in the advancement of this place and while there has been no noticeable or rapid advance in the principal business there has been no falling off at all and these roads are forking as much to-day as they did before the war while the same three men who were present for the first glad moment are still here to witness its operation sometimes a train is derailed as the papers call it and two or three people have to remain over as we did all night it is at such a time that the fifth avenue hotel is the scene of great excitement a large codfish with a broad and sunny smile and his bosom full of rock salt is tied in the creek to freshen and fit himself for the responsible position of floor manager of the codfish ball a pale chambermaid wearing a black jersey with large paws in it through which she is gently percolating 
now goes joyously up the stairs to make the little post-office lock-box rooms look ten times worse than they ever did before she warbles a low refrain as she nimbly knocks loose the venerable dust of centuries and sets it afloat throughout the rooms all is bustle about the house especially the chambermaid we were put into the guest chamber here it has two atrophied beds made up of panes and counterpanes this last remark conveys to the reader the presence of a light joyous feeling which is wholly assumed on my part the door of our room is full of holes where locks have been wrenched off in order to let the coroner in last night i could imagine that i was in the act of meeting personally the famous people who have tried to sleep here and who moaned through the night and who died while waiting for the dawn i have no doubt in the world but there is quite a good-sized delegation from this hotel of guests who hesitated about committing suicide because they feared to tread the sidewalks of perdition but who became desperate at last and resolved to take their chances and they have never had any cause to regret it we washed our hands on doorknob soap wiped them on a slippery elm court plaster that had made quite a reputation for itself under the nom de plume of towel tried to warm ourselves at a pocket inkstand stove that gave out heat like a dark lantern and had a deformed elbow at the back of it the chambermaid is very versatile and waits on the table while not engaged in agitating the overworked mattresses and puny pillows upstairs in this way she imparts the odour of fried pork to the pillowcases and kerosene to the pie she has a wild nervous and apprehensive look in her eye as though she feared that some herculean guest might seize her in his great strong arms and bear her away to a justice of the peace and marry her she certainly cannot fully realize how thoroughly secure she is from such a calamity she is just as safe as she was forty years ago when she promised her aged mother that she would never elope with anyone still she is sociable at times and converses freely with me at the table as she leans over my shoulder pensively brushing the crumbs into my lap with a general utility towel which accompanies her in her various rambles through the house and she asks which we would rather have tea or eggs this afternoon we will pay our bill in accordance with a lifelong custom of ours and go away to permeate the busy haunts of men it will be sad to tear ourselves away from the fifth avenue hotel at this place still there is no great loss without some small gain and at our next hotel we may not have to chop our own wood and bring it upstairs when we want to rest 
the landlord of a hotel who goes away to a political meeting and leaves his guests to chop their own wood and then charges them full price for the rent of a boisterous and tempest-tossed bed will never endear himself to those with whom he is thrown in contact we leave at two thirty this afternoon hoping that the two railroads may continue to fork here just the same as though we had remained End of chapter twenty seven